invite you to stand up. If you are joining us online this morning, we say good morning. If this is your first time with Converge Church, I am Pastor Wendy Harmon. I have the awesome opportunity to serve alongside my husband, Pastor Ray Harmon, to the best church in the planet, which is Converge Church. So we're going to ask you to put your cup of coffee down if you're at home. If you're in the building, we thank you for being here. We're going to ask that you join us in worship. Psalm 29 says this. It says, give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory. Do his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We acknowledge that this is the day that you have made, and we're choosing to rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we commit this service to you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We invite you in this place. Have your way. Lord, we pray right now that our worship in this moment be acceptable in your sight. Because you are worthy. You are holy. You are awesome. And we adore you. It is in the precious, mighty, matchless name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let us worship together. Well, good morning, Convert Church. We are so excited to worship with you this morning. We're going to have a praise party. Is that all right? We're going to have a little fun up here. I want y'all to join in with us. Come on. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. So come on. Let's sing together. Here we go. I was buried beneath my shame. Yeah. Who could carry that kind of weight yeah it was my tomb till I met you yeah. and I was breathing but not alive and all my failures I tried to hide it was my
y'all clapping. I need clap all over the road. Come on, come on, clap all over the road. Let's go. My sin was heavy, but chains break out the weight of your glory. I needed shelter, I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future, my eyes are
you're free. Come on, somebody just open up your mouth and begin to thank the Lord for your freedom because he is worthy of all of our praise. He is worthy of all of the glory. He is worthy of all of the honor that yeah. we can give to him. I am grateful for what he did on the cross 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. Not just for my sins, but for the sins of the entire world. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we're grateful for your sacrifice, for sending your only son so that we can be free. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands to him and just begin to thank him for the ultimate sacrifice that brought us our freedom. Hallelujah. And I want us to all sing this next song all together as corporate worship to our Father. Hallelujah. Can we do that? Thank you, Jesus. All right, here we go. Everybody sing hallelujah right here. Hallelujah. Come on, you know it. Sing it out. That's right. Come on, sing it out. Say.
because you are the one true living God. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you just remain with us? We look forward to and we expect to hear from you. We enthrone you in your proper place and we posture our hearts to receive a word from you today. So we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, and we love you. It is in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. The worship team is gone, but what I discovered today is that there is anointing in an Air Jordan. So if you just want to be anointed in this season, I need you just every one of them had an Air Jordan. So we just thank God that the Jordans are bringing the fire today. Amen. Amen. Good morning. I'm not going to touch it. Those were, hey, good morning. Go ahead and have a seat. We are so happy you joined us this morning. If it's your first time with us, welcome. We are so happy you joined us. We know there's a lot of options in our areas to pop in other churches, so we are happy that you're here. If you're joining us online, hey, uh, we are so happy you tuned in. Uh, we want to welcome you. Also, if it's your first time, we would love to meet you after service. Um, pop by the Welcome Center. We'd love to shake your hand, just get to know your name, uh, give you a little gift as well. It's our way of saying thank you for joining us. 
If you're not already, also we would love to welcome you to join us on social media. That is where we are going to keep you plugged in on what's going on here at Converge. We are at We Are Converge at We Are Converge on most of um, the social media channels except TikTok. We are at Converge Church. Please follow us, like us, comment, engage with us, but also just make sure you check out what's going on um, here at Converge. Also, one of those reminders would be if you have a student High school, middle school, our students are meeting every second and fourth Sunday in The Verge. It is no longer called The Rail, it's called The Verge. It, we are pouring into our students, helping make sure that they are living a life of Christ. We have so much influence from culture um, that they're getting daily, right? All day, every day. So we are making sure our students are equipped with the truth, uh, with a community outside of their own uh, culture or schools that they can plug into their faith with. So we'd like to invite you to join us. And last but not least, we are doing a Lent devotional. It's the 40 days leading up to Easter. If you have not joined us, it's never too late to start. Uh, they are very quick reads. Uh, join us on YouVersion. It's Lent. There's either a QR code or um, if we don't have it up, if you can't get that, um, you can join us after and I'll help you find it. It is a quick, easy read. They've been amazing. They've been life-giving just to pour and get our hearts ready for Easter. Thanks, Cassie. We also want to make you guys aware that if you have an interest in singing with Converge Worship, the Jordans are optional. You don't have to have that anointing. But if you can sing and you want to join the worship team, there will be worship team evaluations today immediately following the worship experience. If you would like to be considered to sing solos, then please have a song prepared. But you stay in the worship center today immediately following worship service. And if you want to join Converge Worship, just be there after service today. We also want to make you aware that spring is here. And with that being said, our spring V groups kicked off yesterday. Our men led the way with Fight Club. They are meeting on Saturdays at 8 a.m. And they'll be meeting for another five Saturdays. And then following our men, Converge Her is kicking off this coming Wednesday at 7 p.m. Again, for six weeks, join us. We always say that, you know, here in service, we're doing life side by side in roles, but that is our transformational opportunity where we get to do life in a circle, face to face. So we want you to find your circle and join us for either Converge Men slash Fight Club on Saturdays or Converge Her on Wednesday evenings. We also want you to save the date for Easter. It is coming up in a couple of weeks. We will be celebrating the resurrection of our Savior, and we have a great weekend planned for you. It's going to start on Friday, April 7th at 7 p.m. we will have the seven last words of Jesus a worship and a communion service and we want you to come out and join us for that special evening and then on Saturday something for the entire family we are going to have an amazing Easter egg hunt we are going to have a maze set up in the field we are going to have an Easter egg drop and then the kids will be released into the maze to find all of the eggs and treats that they can so join us on Saturday April 8th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And then Sunday, all of that weekend is in vain if we don't come together on Sunday morning, April 9th at 10 a.m. to celebrate the resurrection of our Savior Jesus. So it's going to be a special service. We want you guys to join us. Mark those dates on your calendars, and we will see you guys then. The next person that you guys will hear from is Pastor Jesse coming for the Blessed Life segment. Thank you, guys. Good morning, good morning, and good morning. Thank you so much for coming and being a part of our service today. We're thankful that you're here. We're blessed that you're here. And we're happy that you're here, especially as we get an opportunity to bring our tithes and offering to the Lord. 
The Bible says it is God who gives us the ability, the power to get wealth and to increase. And so we ought to thank God for that, and we ought to honor the Lord with everything that we own. And so we ask you today that you come to the Lord with a cheerful heart, to the blessed life with a happy heart as we give our tithes and our offering. If you need an envelope, please raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. You can give right here in person today. Please fill the envelope out legibly so that we might be able to read it. We also ask, tell you that you can give by online by going to weareconverge.com. All right, we can also give by texting 77977. You can also give via Zelle, and you can also give via Cash App. If you use our Zelle, if you use the Zelle method, please use the email that's associated accounting at weareconverge.com. Amen. Look at me and say, I'm happy. I'm going to tell you that I'm happy. Look at me again and say, I'm happy. All right, that's how we ought to be when we give unto the Lord. Amen. Well, bow your heads. Let's pray and let's believe God that he will bring us increase. Heavenly Father, we thank you today and we bless your name. God, I pray today that our hearts are about obeying the word of God. That our hearts are about giving because we love to give. Our hearts are about honoring you, God, with everything that we own. Father, we thank you so much for blessing us with increase. Give us the wisdom, O oh Lord, to manage what you have put in our hands. Help us, O oh Lord, to be obedient in our giving. Help us to be obedient, obedient God, and giving to others. Help us, Lord, to be obedient in helping the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you for how you have blessed us as we receive our offerings today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey there, Converge Nation, Pastor Ray here, all the way from beautiful Liberia, West Africa. I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you so much for your prayers. God has given us incredible favor ever since we landed. Doors of opportunity continue to open. We've had incredibly fruitful and productive meetings, and we're excited about how God is going to shift the trajectory of this great nation. Listen, there is more in what God has been doing for Converge Church. We believe that God will do for this incredible country, this incredible nation, and these beautiful people. Now, uh, one other order of business. Uh, I want to take a moment because this morning we have a very special guest speaker who's no stranger to Converge Nation. I'm not going to steal his thunder, uh, and I'm not going to steal the thunder of the person coming immediately after me, but this morning I get to introduce two sons. The first one is our guest speaker, and he's a son in the faith, a spiritual son. Uh, but today I also get to introduce my biological son, my man cub, Levi Legend. Levi, I just want to let you know how proud dad 
is of you. And I celebrate the man of God, the kingdom man that you are becoming, the tender warrior. And I say those words intentionally. The scripture declares in Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 15, that in quietness and confidence will be your strength. This morning when I woke up, that's the verse that kept coming up in my heart concerning you, Levi. And so I celebrate your quietness, but also your confidence, your meekness, which is strength under control. So today, listen, Converge Nation, uh, let's give a rowdy, loud, and proud Converge Church welcome to my son, my man cub, Levi Legend. But before you do that, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I know you're on your feet already, but before, before one, 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 one last thing, Pastor Wendy, you can tell I got my ankles out and I brought my jeggings. Come on, somebody. I'm doing all the things in Liberia. I love you, baby. I snuck this in a suitcase. You didn't see it, but I love you. Come on, somebody. Show your love for Levi Legend, my man cub, as he comes. God bless you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Levi Harmon, and I am a part of Converge Students, and I am the son of Pastor Ray and Wendy Harmon. I just wanted to come up here today to introduce a friend of mine and a man who has known me since I was young, but I am just starting to get to know them. If you don't know who I'm talking about, give it up for the man, the myth, the legend, Trey Smith. Come on, Levi. All right, y'all bringing me up here with some Jay-Z. Hold up. Hold up. I got to catch it. It's been a while. Allow me to reintroduce my God. His name is Ho. H to the O-V. Been represented since the day I turned 16. Back in the day, I used to spit a hot 16. Shout to my hogs, headed to the sweet 16. See, rap is easy. I literally just rhymed the word 16 three consecutive times. And you made it even realize it. Um, all right, I got to focus. Y'all started me on a 10. If I start on a 10, I got nowhere to go. Um, so, welcome. Happy to be here. Um, I'm trying to get my mind right after just that impromptu. Thank you to the team. Give, show your love right here. Converge worship. The truth is, in my household right now, we have been in a March Madness coma. I'm talking, we got college hoops on, I don't know how many TVs we have, how many uh, tablets and screens. I'm watching March Madness like crazy. And I got to shout out my Arkansas Razorbacks, upset the number one seed of Kansas, defending national champions, and we are headed to the Sweet 16 for the third consecutive year. I'll tell you right now, I was about to have this whole congregation talking about some woo pig suey in the name of Jesus. But I digress. Because the truth is, I don't just like March Madness for the basketball that happens. If you actually listen to what the coaches, the players say pregame, postgame, halftime, you will hear some leadership nuggets of wisdom to, that, that apply to so much more 
than just basketball. In fact, uh, Coach Jerome Tang, he's the head coach at Kansas State, he dropped a line a couple days ago after his team won that really reminded me of this chosen series that we're in. See, Pastor Ray kicked us off last week and uh, was talking about the, the seven mountains of influence and how we want to be a church that goes out and, 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 and has our ministry in other fields other than just inside the four walls of the church. And this is what Coach Tang said. First off, he acknowledged Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior right there on a secular public platform with the whole world watching. He said, coaching is my profession, but my passion and my calling is ministry. See, this encapsulates the primary focus of this series, which is you can use your ministry. God can use your ministry in whatever field, whatever space you're in. It doesn't just have to be at church. And when uh, Pastor Ray was kind of telling me about this series and kind of letting me know, hey, you're going to be speaking on the 19th, yada, 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 do you have a word? I said, yeah, I've got this. He's like, ah, that doesn't really feel like, what about this? He said, what I'm looking for, Trey, is this series is, is about honing in on interactions that Jesus had with his chosen disciples. And as he began to share that with me, I started thinking like, okay, there was this one that was really boiling up, and it's the one I'm going to dive into this morning. And I go, well, what about if I talk about this? He said, yeah, that'd be great. Do you have a word for that? I said, no, but it's boiling in me listening to you talk, and if you let me go spend some time in prayer, I bet the Lord will reveal something to me. And that, in fact, he has. And I believe my assignment today is going to be in Matthew chapter 20, starting with verse 20. And I'm going to go through nine verses. That is it. I'm going to read nine verses, break it down, and then give you three points and get you out of here. Okay? Um, remember, I'm the substitute preacher, if you were here last time. One thing about substitute preachers, you stay on time. So before I read the text, let me give you a little context of what's happening. Jesus is getting ready to be approached by uh, disciple James and disciple John, accompanied with their mother. Okay? But just before this, Jesus had prophesied his death and resurrection for the third time. Okay, the first time he shared that with his disciples, that's when Peter stood up and said, no, no, that's not going to happen. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. You're focused too much on the things of this world, not on the things of God. The second time he did it, it said the disciples were sorrowful. But now we get to the third time. They've seen Jesus. They've walked with Jesus. They've heard Jesus. And now it's a little bit more of a deal where he starts talking about the death and resurrection, which, by the way, that's the most significant event in the history of mankind. And their ears kind of start to perk up a little bit. And so I want us to have that mindset as I go into this part of the text because it's kind of like at your job, if it gets announced that someone in a high level of leadership is leaving, your ears might start to perk up a little bit. At first it might be like, oh, then it's, wait a minute, how might I fit into that? How might I be able to benefit from this transition that's happening? Let's start with verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, referring to James and John, kneeling down and asking something. Jesus said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant these two sons of mine may sit, one at your right hand, the other at your left, in your kingdom. Keep in mind, this is coming off the heels of prophesying his death and resurrection, now disciples are approaching Jesus asking to sit at the highest places of honor in that kingdom, in that eternal realm. See, the disciples were approaching Jesus with an innocent disposition. What came out of them was a selfish ambition. 
Think about that for a second. Just because someone's actions are innocent does not mean their motives are pure. And that's where this morning I'm really going to dive into is motives. Okay, if we've been chosen by God, we've got to purify our own motives. Let me continue with this text. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink from the cup I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And, of course, the disciples respond with, we are able, we are able, right? They're so fixated on this platform. They're so fixated on this opportunity, they're not thinking about the price. See, the disciples came to Jesus asking for fruit. He reminded them of the seed. Fruit looks a lot different when it's in seed form. It's easy for us to look at other people's lives, other people's platforms, and the fruit that's been produced and say, yeah, I want that. I want that. But what we don't take the time to do is look at that person's life when that fruit was in seed form. I have a good friend of mine. Been knowing him 20 years now. And he's kind of one of those friends where we cannot talk for six months and then talk, and it's like we talked yesterday. Some of you probably have relationships like that, right? We had lunch this week. We hadn't had lunch in six months. We go to lunch, and it's like we just picked right up where we were, and it was almost as if we hadn't missed a day. Something about this friend of mine, he's become very, very successful in the business world. He's built a multi-million dollar business from the ground up. And one of the cool things about being a part of his life for that whole journey is I saw him when all that was in seed form. And so now I see all the abundance of fruit that he's walking in. And I think, man, it'd be so easy for people to go, I want that. He's, he's, he's gotten a, 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 I don't even know what to call it, but an interest in like luxury watches. I mean, this dude, he's got like cases upon cases of hundreds of thousands of dollars of luxury watches. But I still remember 12 years ago when we were at a mall and he's looking at this $50 watch. Tries it on, takes it off, tries it on again, takes it off, puts it back. Like, bro, just get the watch. He said, not today. See, he was at the beginning of starting that business, and I know we have successful entrepreneurs in here, and you know what it's like, that phase of sweat equity, when you're just working and you're wondering, is anything going to come from this? He was in that space. And I don't remember what it was, but something moved in me to, like, buy him the watch, and not because, like, I was just rolling in cash. It was just my money at the time was more consistent. I had a fixed income. It wasn't a lot of money, but I knew I was at least going to get it on this day. So the next time I got paid, I went and got on the watch, gave it to him. He was so thankful. He's like, wow, man, I really like this watch. Yada, yada, yada. Fast forward 10 years later, he's got this whole collection. Him and his wife just bought a beautiful home, beautiful piece of land about a year and a half ago. He invited me over. I'm hanging out. We're catching up. He's showing me around. And um, we go to the closet. And he was still kind of unpacking, but I saw one of the one of the luxury cases. I was like, can I touch it? You know, like, can I, can I look at it? And so he's like, dude, shut up. He opens it up and he grabs that $50 watch that was in there with all these just, and I'm not a watch guy, right? Like I have an Apple watch. So like, I can't tell you like what the brands and all that were. I'm a shoe guy. Love me some sneakers. The Air Jordan anointing. I'm, I'm all about that. But the watches, you know, I, I, so I can't sit here and say, oh, but it's not about the watches. It's the fact that he pulled, picked that up. He said, do you remember this one? I said, yeah, I remember that. He said, I'll never forget this. See, it'd be so easy to look at that abundance of fruit that's in that case and forget what it looked like in seed form. What Jesus is doing here is he's giving the disciples who came with an innocent disposition, out of them was a selfish ambition. He's responding with a sincere admonition. You don't know what you're asking for. 
If you're taking notes as we just go through the text, it's simple. Innocent disposition, selfish ambition. Jesus responds with a sincere admonition. You don't know what you're asking for. So then the disciples, of course, they say, uh, yeah, we are able. Jesus says, you will indeed drink from my cup and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it is prepared by my Father. I'm actually going to come back to that verse in just a second. I want to continue. Hold on. (laughs) It's all good. All right, I'll come back to verse 23 or 24. 23, so moving on to verse 24. It says, and when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. In other words, the rest of the disciples are starting to pick up on, like, this interaction that's happening. And they're like, well, hold up. Like, what makes y'all so great to all of a sudden y'all going to come in and just claim these high seats of honor? What about us? And that's when Jesus, after issuing the sincere admonition, he's about to drop what I call a cultural contradiction on his disciples, on his chosen disciples. You know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. In other words, in culture, leaders, they like to flex that muscle. They like to make sure everybody knows who's in charge. But in my kingdom... It's not so. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. First, what Jesus is saying, listen, when I'm prophesying my death and resurrection, I'm not doing that to brag. I'm not doing that to get y'all hype about some opportunity that's on the way. I'm letting you know that, like, I'm sacrificing and surrendering myself for all of humanity. I came here to serve, not to be served. And then I think, why would Jesus say serve? Why would it be if you want to be great, serve? You want your name to be known in my kingdom, serve. You want to have influence in a platform, serve. And I'm not just talking about serving like at church. I mean serving in life, having that type of heart. It's because serving exposes motives. If you want to know what motives are truly dwelling inside of you, start serving. They will come to the surface real fast. My son this week was having an issue. He's one and about to be two, actually. Looks like he's seven. Um, Sorry. He had a situation with his eye. It was swelling up. He couldn't open it all the way. And, you know, of course, my wife was like, what's going on? I said, he's fine. He's fine. He's a boy. It'd be good. She's like, no. So she took pictures, sent them to the doctor. The doctor responded, said, oh, just use some warm compressions and then clean it. And by a day and a half of doing that, his eye was back to normal because that warm compression drew that bacteria or whatever it was to the surface so it could be wiped clean. That's what serving does with our motives. It exposes them and brings them to the surface so we can do one or two things. You can deal with it or you can let it deal with you. Dealing with your motives is purifying yourself. Letting your motives deal with you will contaminate you. 
And that's what I want to dive into this morning because today's message is called Loco Motives. What's driving you? Are they loco? Are they crazy? Because here's the deal. If you have loco motives living right here, they're not just going to drive you crazy. They're going to drive everyone around you crazy. And so what I'm going to talk about are a couple of different loco motives, and then I'm going to end cap it with what I believe is the ultimate kingdom motive. Before I dive into that, let me give you a verse from Proverbs 16. If you're a daily proverb guy or girl, you, you would have read this this week. Thought it was ironic as I'm preparing this message called Loco Motives that one of the daily proverbs says this. The NIV version, Proverbs 16, verse 2 says, All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Yes, you might be serving, but do you have a servant's heart? Think about that. The NLT, New Living, says people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. That word motives in the Hebrew means spirit. In fact, I think the New King James translation uses the word spirit. So it's like we've got to deal with these impure spirits that are contaminating our motives if we want to flourish in the plan and purpose that God has for our life. So I'll say it this way. If we don't purify our motives, our motives will contaminate us. How do I know what motives are there? Serve. Some of you are not even going to have to serve. I'm going to start talking about some of these. You're going to be going, ooh, yeah, that's me. So loco motive number one is the motive of obligation. Well, I don't want to miss out. I don't want to disappoint. I don't want anyone to think less of me. I'm only doing this because I have to. Start serving, and if that's in you, it will come right to the surface. Obligation. The root of obligation is insignificance. The voice of insignificance says this, I am not enough, I'm not doing enough, and what I have to offer is never enough. If we don't deal with this motive of obligation, here's how it will contaminate us. Resentment. We see this a lot in families, especially marriages. There's this motive of obligation that breeds a feeling of resentment. You might see it in your professional lives or other areas of your personal life, but you know where we also see it? Right here in the church. That spirit of obligation that goes undealt with, so it begins to contaminate me. Give you a little bit of my own journey. I've shared a little bit before. I try to do it in bits and pieces. I don't ever want to use this opportunity to talk about myself, okay? That's my heart. But I also think there are parts of my journey that are very relevant to whatever I think God's trying to communicate, and so I'm going to at least share that piece of it. So let's go back to January 2012. I was coming off of a very, very intense run in ministry, um, seven and a half years, actually, being in ministry. And I'd say probably the first four and a half years, I had like 25% of a life, but those last three years, I had no life. I'm talking Sunday morning, two services had responsibilities for. Sunday night was our big youth service that I was in charge of leading. Monday, oh, and by the way, I was working a full-time job. Let me clarify that as well. 
Monday, go to work. Monday night, we had our student leadership meeting every week in person, right? This was way before COVID and before these Zoom virtual meetings were like a thing. I think like Skype was getting ready to, 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 to become this, you know, big, big thing. But anyways, Monday nights, we had a student leadership meeting every week. Tuesday morning, 6 a.m., men's ministry Bible study, work. Tuesday night, we had a young men's Bible study. Wednesday, we had uh, work. And then Wednesday night, we had our second student service of the week. So Sunday nights was more of an outreach-based teaching. Wednesday nights was more of a discipleship-based teaching. Thursday morning, we had a young adults Bible study that I really didn't even have to, like, be at. But because we were trying to give this person, like, something to lead, it was like, hey, Let's just start a Young Adults Bible study on Thursday morning. So I had to go to that. Thursday, I go to work. Thursday night, we had our young adult service, which, again, I didn't have any responsibilities for. But if I didn't go, I got a phone call, so I went. So if you're keeping track, that's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, where from the time I got out of bed to the time I went back to bed, it was ministry or work. And the only reason why I'm clarifying this is because when I, when I say what I'm about to say, I don't want you to think it was, oh, yeah, I joined a serve team for two months and got tired. And got bored. Because there is a place for a little bit of grit and discipline in the kingdom of God. But three straight years, Fridays work, Friday nights, I was usually off. So you know what I do on Friday nights? I go to a high school football or basketball game to support our students. This was in a different place, by the way, just clarifying that. Saturdays, first part of the day was pretty clear. And then we had Saturday afternoon, evening service time. And then Sunday morning started all back over again. So what happened was, is it kind of got to a place where like, you could see I have no capacity and also had no money. So I was like, okay, God, like. And so just through a series of events, I made the decision I'm going to transition out of this. And, and, and I'm not going to get into all the details of it, but I thought I got to go make something happen to support myself. I turned it over the right way. I, I handed it off to the person that everybody in leadership wanted leading that area, yada, yada, yada. I mean, like it was a very smooth transition. But let me tell you something. When you're the face of a ministry in like a megachurch type environment, guess what all the thousands of church people want to know once you kind of start to disappear? Well, what happened? Where'd you go, brother? What's wrong? Don't you just love church people? See, I don't consider y'all church people, man. We're family. I'm talking about church people. It's like... What happened? So really what I honestly needed, I needed a break from church and its people at that time. I mean, I just needed a season to just rest and figure my life out, but I didn't know how to communicate that. I was dealing with my own insignificance. I had found my whole identity wrapped up in this thing that I was no longer a part of, and I didn't really even know who I was. I kind of liken it to when a professional athlete retires and they kind of say they, they go through an identity crisis. They got to rediscover who they are. The difference is I didn't have retired athlete money. So I'm really like, okay, I'm in survival mode. So I was like, all right, if I could just maybe just show up and leave, just show up and leave, just for a season so I can figure some things out. And let me just I'll fast forward. Basically, as I'm just starting to get over this hump of everybody asking me a million questions, and again, I felt like I had to answer them all. I felt like I owed everybody a conversation, obligation. One day after a service, one of the men's ministry leaders comes up behind me and says, hey, I'm glad you're here and all. But where are you serving? Now, let me just make sure we're all on the same page. If someone steps to me like that in 2023, you're going to get a different response from me than what I gave in 2012. Okay, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page there. In 2012, though, 
dealing with this insignificance. The spirit of obligation is on me. And then he said something to the effect of like, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but way I way I heard it was like, oh, since you're not leading anymore, you're too good to serve. You know what I mean? Like something to that effect. And so you know what I did? Joined a serve team out of obligation. And within a year, I was done with church. I was done. I remember praying to God saying, Lord, I know you have a plan and a purpose for my life. I know you've called me, but me and you, we're going to have to figure out how to do this without that. The spirit of obligation built up so much resentment. And watch this. Here's what happens. When you don't say no to what contaminates you, you will never say yes to what God's requiring of you. So what's the purification of obligation? Setting healthy boundaries, guarding your heart, and giving yourself permission to say no. Not to God. We're called to give God our yes. But just because I'm giving God my yes doesn't mean I got to give a yes to every single person that tugs on me. We don't talk about that in the church. Not here. We talk about it here. But generally speaking, because we, we, we don't want to give ourselves. We, a lot of times, someone doesn't want you to give yourself permission to say no. So I can keep that string on you. The Bible says this, Proverbs verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 23. Most of you probably know this verse in a different translation. But the Passion Translation says this, Above all, guard the affections of your heart. For they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. When the welfare of your innermost being is in danger, the calling God has on your life is in danger. Because what will happen is you will get so hardened, you will start to tell him no. Because you didn't tell no to what you were supposed to say no to. Because of that motive of obligation. If we don't deal with that, it will deal with us. I'm not just speaking from the word. I'm speaking from my own experience on that one. While y'all process that, I'm taking a sip of water, and then I'll tell you the next locomotive. Two more. Locomotive number two. The motive... Of opportunism. If you've got opportunism, that spirit of opportunism dwelling in you, start serving. And what you're going to find real quick is that everything you're doing has a string attached to it or an expectation attached to it. The root of opportunism is selfishness and entitlement. The voice of selfishness and entitlement says this, how can this person and or situation benefit me. If that's what you're dealing with, and let me clarify this. If anything I'm talking about right now, you're going, ooh, that's me. That's great. Now it's here on the surface. What are you going to do with it? Trust me, we're all human. We're all prone to all of these things. It's what we do once we identify it that matters. The contamination of opportunism is dis the disappointment of unmet unrealistic expectations. 
I know we've had a lot of new people join since the top of 2023, and I would just strongly encourage everyone to go back to October, November-ish. Pastor Ray did a series called Planted. And one of the things he said in the Planted series that just resonated with me so deeply was this. This is our lead pastor now. Expectations are the seedbed for disappointment. Opportunism breeds self-inflicted church hurt. I talked about church hurt a couple of months ago, and I approached it from the standpoint of the human influence on the church and its leadership. But that's only one side of it. I don't have a whole time to, to, to rehash that. Go watch it. It's on the Converge YouTube. But there's another side to church hurt that's self-inflicted. It's when I do all these things with expectations attached to it, and then those expectations go unmet, and now I say, that church hurt me. That pastor hurt me. Because I had an expectation to get something out of, out of it in return. And ultimately, I was left hurt. Let's go back to verse 23. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with, but to sit at my right and left, man, that's for the Father. In other words, you will share in this suffering, but who sits in the highest places of honor is up to the Father. Now, it might look on one hand like Jesus just pulled a bait and switch, right? He's like, are you ready to share in the suffering? Yeah, okay, yeah, you will, but that's not my decision, that's for the Father. It could look like he kind of tricked them, but he didn't. What Jesus was doing was he was removing the impure motive from the equation so that when the disciples shared in his suffering, it wasn't so they got this place of high honor in return. It was out of simple obedience. And this is my third point. Obedience. That's the kingdom motive. Locomotives, obligation, opportunism. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me tell you how to purify, because somebody's like, well, hold up, you didn't talk about how to deal with opportunism. You're going right. Obedience is a big part of that, but here's how I would say. To purify the spirit of opportunism, you've got to find your seed. Put it in the ground, water it, watch it grow, and watch how God moves in and through your life. Find your lane and run your race. See, opportunists are so focused on what everyone else is doing. Everyone else's fruit. Here's the thing. If you were able to get a fruit that was never in seed form, it's fake. It's not real. But we would rather settle for a fake manufactured version of what we see someone else having rather than taking the seed God deposited in us, putting it in the ground, watering it, watching it grow, and then letting God do whatever he wants to do in and through our life. Like, it's, it's not rocket science. It's just very difficult to do in a world full of distractions. Most of you are in an industry that's competing every single day. I'm not saying don't go strive to be the best. I'm not saying don't go strive to be the top of your industry. Don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying is, is don't get so focused on other people's fruit that you neglect the seed God's given you. I'm about to take this thing off, sorry. Sleep wearing me out. Um, right now, me, I'm on a stage, I got a microphone, and you have to listen to me. That's fruit of my calling. 
to teach and preach the word of God. This fruit and seed form was me on my hands and knees scrubbing toilets for years. No one in here, a couple people, most people in here didn't see me in that season. But let me tell you this, no one in that season was like, God, how do I get this platform, Trey? Nobody wanted anything to do with that. Because what I say, the seed looks different from the fruit. The seed form of the fruit looks a lot different. You might be in a seed forming season. Don't let everyone else's fruit get you off course. Your fruit is coming. How do I find my seed? Well, it's found through the third and final motive I'm going to talk about. I'm doing so good on time, too. What do I have to, 11.10 or 11.15? No, 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 no. No. I intentionally did three points today instead of four just so I could stay on time. No, I'm kidding. I let the Lord do whatever he wanted. So the third and final motive I want to talk about is obedience. So if you're taking notes, right, think about this. Obviously, I'm talking in the context of serving. Most people serve either out of obligation, opportunism, or obedience. When I started getting back into this world that from the outside looking in kind of looks like I was left high and dry on in the past, I had people that were close to me going, uh, what are you doing? Uh, do you not remember what happened last time? And I remember telling one person, I said, yeah, but serving out of obedience and walking in your calling out of obedience is a lot different than doing it out of obligation or opportunism. The root of obedience is surrender. The voice of surrender says, yes, Lord. Reminder, yes, Lord, doesn't mean yes to everyone else. Contamination, there is none. Contamination and obedience cannot exist. The purest thing you could do with your life on earth is to walk in obedience. The purification of obedience is transformation from the inside out. I'll never forget, man. I was hesitant to jump into this ministry, serving, all that. And Pastor Ray just told me, he said, Trey, if God's not moving in your heart to do this, don't do it. We're not going to sit here and use our platform to pressure you. God has to be moving in your heart. And I want to tell you today, if God's not moving in your heart to do something, don't do it. Let him work on you. Yes, we're going to create opportunities here to serve because we're moving the kingdom forward. But you know what we're also going to do? We're going to create an atmosphere where you can heal. It does a church no good to have thousands of people working their tails off out of obligation and opportunism because that's a recipe for self-destruction. We need you healthy. Get yourself healthy. You know, what I, it's like I said, what I wish I had, if I could have just had a season to just not worry about any of that stuff. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying, like, if you've been deemed, like, the coordinator of the Easter service, don't seven days before service say, well, hey, Trey said, uh, I got to set some boundaries and say no. 
Like if you are committed to something, finish your commitment. But know there's freedom in having that conversation. (laughs) And you better make sure God's telling you to do it. I already see some of that. They're going to clip. No, he said it right here on your platform, Pastor Ray and Wendy. God's platform stored by them that they're trusting me with this morning. I say this a lot. Obedience is the process of becoming, not doing. I strive to become more obedient, not do more obedient. If my entire concept of obedience is wrapped up in what I'm doing, then when I make a mistake, which I will because I'm human, I will disqualify myself from the calling God has on my life. Because all my obedience is wrapped up in what I do, not who I'm becoming. Some of you need to release yourself of some things. God's ready to get you in the game on something, but you're like, you don't know what I've done. What are you becoming? Who are you becoming? I heard a pastor say, um, can't remember who it was, but he was, he was counseling a, a, a addict who was in uh, like a, a AA or something like that. And the person was clean for like several weeks straight, and then they had a relapse. And they came to pastor and said, oh, what do I got to do to get back in God's graces, man? I just, I'm being disobedient. I'm this and yada, yada, yada. And the pastor said, stop, 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 stop. A year ago when you were doing that, did you feel this way? He said, no, I didn't care. I just kept doing it. He said, exactly. You're becoming more like him. So I want to make sure that's very clear. Obedience is not about do to get. That's, that's legalism. None of us can live up to that standard. That's the old law. That's why Jesus came through and did the work for us. He already died and paid the price, so now all we have to do is become who he's created us to be. And in us putting our focus on who we're becoming, now it don't matter what industry you're in. Television, business, education, ministry, it's all ministry. Your home, whatever. Who you're becoming takes precedence over everything, and then that will dictate what you do. But I want to warn you, obedience isn't always fun, flashy, and entertaining. And to revisit this uh, maybe little problem I have, an addiction to March Madness, there was a head coach at Kennesaw State. I shared this yesterday when we were having our fight club uh, meeting yesterday morning, which was amazing. I'm just telling you, man, we're back at it. Like, get there. Like, I mean, that's where we, (laughs) I mean, am I wrong? Like, that's where we really start to take the gloves off and have some real conversations. Not the little church stuff on Sunday. I'm talking like how we can really be better men, better husbands, better people in the kingdom of God. Anyways, but the head coach of Kennesaw State, Kennesaw State was a 14 seed getting ready to play a three seed at Xavier. On paper, Xavier should be whooping Kennesaw State by 20 or 30. But at halftime, Kennesaw State was up seven. Because they came on that court. They weren't worried about what the paper said. They punched them right in the mouth. And that's what I love about March Madness is you see these underdogs, these David versus the Goliath. I mean, you're going to hear that a bunch over the next several weeks because March Madness is biblical. That's what they talk about. I mean, you're going to hear David versus Goliath over the next, I mean, And they asked the head coach of Kennesaw State, you've just won the first half. What do you have to do to finish this game out? He said, man, we just got to keep doing the same boring habits. 
and pay attention to detail. Sometimes you know what obedience to Christ is like? It's just doing the same boring habits and paying attention to detail. And in doing that, you will become the man or woman that God's created you to be. And then what you do just takes care of itself. Guys, I didn't ask to come up here. I didn't like sin. I mean, I, like, I don't, I'd rather not, to be honest with you. I'd rather sit in the back row, write my little tie check every week, and go be with my family. Literally, this morning, I was on duty with my one-and-a-half-year-old, and he's driving me crazy. I'm like, I have to preach. My wife is up singing, so she had to get here super early. And then I'm like, you know, my wife, she's so good. She sends me the list of everything I need to do and yada, 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 yada. And I'm doing all that in my brain. I'm thinking about the, you know, it's just like, trust me, it's a lot easier to not do this. But when you walk in obedience, like, you don't get to choose when your opportunities and when the call of God happens. I'm going to close with this. Might be a little bit of an extended closing, but I really want to stay. What was that? No. Substitute preacher. And I know the band's probably like chilling, like, wait, what? What? You're about to close? Yes. The process of obedience. I'm going to break it down this way and then I'm going to fill in the gaps. Conformity breeds closeness. Closeness breeds confidence. Confidence, I'm sorry, closeness breeds clarity, and clarity breeds confidence. Let's break this down for a second. When I conform myself to the Word of God, it breeds a closeness to God's heart. My closeness to God's heart breeds clarity of God's will. Think for a second your own life. How many times do you find yourself going, okay, God, what's your will here? What's your will here? And sometimes it can seem so fuzzy and so blurry. And the greatest thing I can tell you to do is to draw close to his heart. But how can you have intimacy with God if you're not conformed to his word? We all want to hear the voice of God, but none of us want to study the word of God. God's trying to speak to all of you right now. But that intimacy starts with that word, man. It's the most beautiful, sacred thing you'll ever read. And then all of a sudden you start to realize that it's not out of obligation or opportunism. Man, it's just out of obedience. I have to get in his presence. Matthew 6, verse 6 says, but you, when you pray, Go into your room and close your door and pray to your father who is in the secret place. And he who hears and sees you in secret will reward you openly. If you're not conformed to his word, how, how do you even know that? I conform to his word. Conformity breeds closeness. I start to draw closer to God's heart. James 4, 8 says, he who draws near to God, God draws near to him. And then as I get closer to his heart, suddenly his will for my life starts to become clearer, even in the midst of the fire. Because when you have clarity, it produces a confidence in God's plan for me. Conformity 
breeds closeness. Closeness breeds clarity. Clarity breeds confidence. Here's what I want to do these last few minutes. Let's go ahead and bow our head and close our eyes. And we can get the keys going. I want to kind of set an atmosphere just for a moment. Um, if there's anyone in here who, I know, I kind of threw you guys off. I've, but if there's anyone in here that you're listening to this message, and whether it's the spirit of obligation, spirit of opportunity, all that, but you're going, man, I don't know Jesus. Like, I don't have a personal relationship with him. And that's step one to dealing with any impure spirit or any impure motive. I just want to take a couple seconds real quick to give you an opportunity to accept him and invite him into your heart. If you're in here right now and we're in this moment of prayer and you feel like something's tugging on your heart, something's kind of like a knot in your stomach, that's the spirit of the Lord knocking, saying, let me in. And I just want to give you an opportunity. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand. Um, and say, you know what, today I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. And I want to invite him into this journey of obedience so that I can deal with these loco motives that are driving me crazy right now. If that's you on the count of three, you say, I don't know Jesus, but I want a relationship. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about church. I'm not talking about how you grew up. I'm talking about a personal relationship with Christ. If you do not have that on the count of three, I want you to put up your hand. One, two, three. You can put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. And then I want to talk to another group of people. And I'm not going to make you do anything like to put you on blast. But you're like, man, these locomotives right now, they're kind of taking me through it. And today I want to reset myself sort of recalibrate myself back to ground zero and say, God, I need you because this spirit of obligation is on me tight. God, I need you because this spirit of opportunism is on me tight. God, I don't know what my seed is, and so I'm being blinded by everyone else's fruit. But that stops today. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to put up your hand. One, two, three. Thank you, thank you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to let it sit for just a couple more minutes. Not minutes, a couple more seconds. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that by your spirit, you speak to us and through us. God, I pray that you would seal this word in all of our hearts. And that it would not just be something that we leave this building and forget, but it would be something we leave this building and continue to chew on. That we would become a people that would truly see the joy, the peace, the love that is found in intimacy with you. Through conforming to your word, drawing close to your heart, getting clarity on what your will is. That's the beauty of it. You've given us free will. So, Lord, I pray that when we surrender our will to you, you would make things plain and clear so that we would go the way that you have called us and required us to go. 
Lord, I pray for the people in this building right now worried about their resumes, worried about their uh, uh, their reels, like what the resume their life's building, the reel their life is projecting. This is just dropped in my spirit. I pray that they would find focus and clarity on what you've required us, required them to do. Lord, that you would provide peace and provision when we walk in obedience. Not because you have to, but because that's your word. Lord, the ones dealing with anxiety right now, maybe not knowing where this or that's going to come from. I pray that if they, that, that you would make it clear to them the way they should go. Lord, the people that are in here that are already in their purpose, they're doing what you've called them to do. They're just not on purpose. They're in the right space. They just don't understand the assignment, God. Make it plain and clear. You've called us to be a people that don't just do things inside the four walls of a church, but you have chosen us to make an impact for your kingdom on this world. Lord, I pray for the person in here. Oh, man. Mm. <sighs> the word says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. I don't know who this is for. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take by force. There's someone in here that once you understand your assignment, the kingdom of heaven's going to get a little more violent. It might be for more than one person. Once you get clarity on your assignment, you will begin to take back territory for the kingdom of God. But Lord, it starts with our obedience, our conformity to your word, drawing us closer to your heart so that we can have clarity on your will. And then, Lord, from that point, we have a confidence in your plan. So now I no longer have to get worried or look at what anybody else is doing other people's platforms, other people's financial status, other people's jobs, other people's living situation, other people's fruit. But Lord, I would be so passionate and excited about the seed that you put in my hands. Lord, let that be your will for all of us, that we would take that seed, we would put it in the ground, water it, grow it, and watch you move in and through our lives. Lord, I pray that this just wouldn't be about us doing church, man. It wouldn't just be about people showing up and checking the box, man, but this would be a time where us, we come together corporately as a family to rejuvenate ourselves so that when we release, we're releasing full of your spirit and we're taking back territory for your kingdom. That's what we've been chosen to do. God, I pray that everyone in this room would have a peace that surpasses all understanding. That even if right now the provision feels like the daily manna, let that be a confirmation that you were the one leading the way. God, we thank you for this time this morning. We honor you. We love you. And it's the name, the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Trey. Let's give him a hand. Let's just bless the gift of God in the man of God for the people of God. We just thank you so much. And I just want you to know 
that we've never given trade time restraint. That is a heart of honor. Now to go back before that, when you are trained in ministry, your life is almost threatened. Your whole anointing is threatened that you don't go over time. But you have freedom in this house. We appreciate your love and your honor. And I am just so excited to celebrate the gift of God in you. Yes, 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 yes. And all facets of you. You all saw me jump up when uh, Trey preached. But the flip side of that is two weeks, a few weeks ago last month when he preached, he was known as a rapper. I don't know how many albums he should have had. He did have. He could not even think of one line. When we were getting ready in the huddle, I said, just give me a title of one of your songs. He told me, I ain't got it. So what you had the opportunity to witness, what I had an opportunity to witness was breakthrough. Hallelujah. 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 Now, he's not trying to be a rapper anymore. But all that bragging we've done just to see the breakthrough, just to see you just come on the other side of that. I am just so proud that God is faithful to his promises, even if it's with three bars of 16. Hallelujah. All right, everybody, stand up. We're going to dismiss you. I ask that you remember, Pastor Ray, in your prayers, we are praying for you, and we'll continue to do that. Have a magnanimous week. Make every space that you encounter your ministry. It could be the pump at the gas station. It could be behind somebody in line. It could be you by yourself in your car. Make it your ministry. Preach to yourself. Sing to yourself. Encourage yourself and know that you are loved. You are valued. You belong here and we want you. Everybody lift your hands up. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face this day to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And whatever you put your hands to do in Jesus' name, may it prosper. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you ladies on Wednesday, the rest of you on Sunday. Bye-bye. If you were impacted by today's worship experience, we'd love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon is exactly what you needed to hear or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we'd love to send you information on how to kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you'd like information about how to join our virtual family, email us at echurch at weareconverged.com. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com forward slash give. You can also give via text. Simply text Converge Give and the dollar amount that you'd like to give to 77977. You can also find all of this information in our mobile app. Simply go to your app or Play Store, search for Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that simple. Again, thank you so much for joining us for today's worship experience and we look forward to staying connected with you.